Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Yeah, today we will discuss the very first recorded word spoken by Christ. We will discuss it and we will see where we all fit in the message that we're going to minister, I'm going to minister this morning. His first words have to do with who he is, who is Christ, and his relationship with God and his family. This word tells us a lot about Jesus and challenges us to be like him. And who of us that are sitting here wouldn't want to be like Jesus? All of us. We imitate him. Amen. We are the true nature of God. Each and everyone that is sitting here this morning. Don't ever think less of yourself. Don't ever think that you do not fit in. Everyone, every single one of us, even the children of us, we are the image of our God and Father. So I'm going to read um, the New American Standard Version. reads, As his parents used to go to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he became 12, they went up according to the custom of the feast. And, and they were returning after spending the full number of days. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And his parents were unaware of it. Imagine if you were a parent, I'm going to read further now, and you were traveling, and all of a sudden your baby or your boy stays behind in a certain um, village or town, and you never even notice that your son has been left behind. Verse 44, but suppose him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey, and they looking for him amongst the relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. After being traveling for so long, they went back and go and find um, Jesus. It came about after three days, they found him in the temple. And imagine three days. One can even imagine something could have happened to your child if your child is not with you after looking for him, even one day, because you are wondering, where is my child sleeping? Where is the child? Looking for him. And it came about three days that they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that awesome? That Jesus was sitting in the temple, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at the understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for them? Imagine a 12-year-old saying to a parent, Why is it that you've been looking for me? I would have done something to my child if, he, if she would have asked or he would have asked me uh, a question like that. Did you not know, but this, 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 
Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? And they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. Now today it is important to understand the context of this passage. Joseph and Mary regularly attended the Passover festival in Jerusalem. Every male was expected to attend the Passover, yes. Pentecost, and the Tabernacle. The Feast of the Unleavened Bread followed the Passover and together occupied seven days. When Jesus was 12, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to observe the Passover festival. We do not know whether or not this was the first time for him to attend the Passover. In any case, this visit turned out to be very memorable. Whether at the age of 12 or 13, the time arrived when a boy would bear greater responsibilities. And we see our children, when Lucy was, I think, about 13 years old, I already asked her to start making some food at home. And now she's 16, 17 years old. By the way, Lucy was my daughter that was standing next to me now. Now, um, now already she's making food. She's doing so much and she means so much for me, you know? And we can just appreciate our children as parents that are sitting here this morning. Jerusalem, of course, was the headquarters of the Jewish religion. Many fam fa uh, famous Jewish teachers would have been present for Passover and unleavened bread. No doubt, some of them stayed over to teach in the temple. So this was a great opportunity for Jesus to sit as a student amongst them. And where do you get children that is about 12 or 13 years old that sits in the temple? And especially for three days in a row to sit. So children choose to play. They choose to do their own things, but Jesus chose to stay in the temple. He would not have had the opportunity in Nazareth when his parents left Jerusalem. He stayed and visit, visited in the temple. My message focused on the words of Christ this morning. The words that Jesus Christ has, has uttered. His words tell us a lot about him and about his relationship with his family. Both young people and parents can learn much from this text. And we know that children in our days, now that we are living, especially in our communities and in our school, there's no, not a lot of kids that is obedient anymore. Kids stood up against the parents. The teachers have a difficult time at school. And we as leaders and, 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 and parents, we need to teach our children at home to be obedient and even to listen to the teachers at school. And that is our, that is our duty to do that. And even, especially as um, believers, we need to 
Feed our children the word of God so that when they are at school, they would and will be obedient to their teachers. When Joseph and Mary left Jerusalem, Jesus stayed behind. His parents were not aware that he stayed. The absence of Jesus, the search of his parents, and the finding him resulted in a moment of tension. Like I said, if we can't find our children after one day, already we are anxious, we are worried. Where does our children sleep? With who are they? And we are worried. And now this is now three days. And they even realize now that Jesus is not with them. We'll observe the concern of Joseph and Mary and then focus on the reaction of Jesus. Joseph and Mary were anxious, like I said. We cannot blame them much for this. Any parent would be anxious. Myself would be anxious if my daughter or son is not at home. Any parent who has looked for a child, he or she could find, could find, will understand this. Sometimes it results in sheer panic. What do we do? We phone the police, we find out where is our child. We even report our child is missing. That is how much we love our children and we want our children to be with us. This consternation is born out of concern for person. Often the parents blame the child for being lost or away. Sometimes a momentary rebuke is given, then the joy comes. Isn't it so? We rebuke them at, at the stage, but then we are very, very, very happy, happy that we have found our child. Amen? Amen. Many questions. <clears throat> Mary's question seems normal enough. Keep in mind that Joseph and Mary found Jesus on the third day. Three days they were looking for him. In verse 48 we read, And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? What, 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 what would our question be? What would we have asked our children? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. Mary, the mother, spoke, but she specifically included Joseph, his father. They were both anxious. Mary was anxious. Joseph was anxious. Although Joseph and Mary knew much about Jesus, full understanding had not been yet dawned. I know lots and lots about you, Lucy, and Emil and Stephen and Marshall. But not everything I do know. Jesus knows everything about them. God knows everything. Because even before they were formed in the womb of us, God knew them. He ordained them. He has chosen them long before the foundation of this earth. But Jesus was somebody else. Jesus was both human and divine. According to Luke 1.26, the angel Gabriel announced that Jesus would be called the Son of the Most High. Jesus would be called the Son of the Most High. When Jesus was just eight days old, Joseph and Mary brought him to the temple. That's in Luke 2 verse 25 to 33. In Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So Joseph and Mary did present Jesus to the Lord, like we do with our children. Amen? 
The Spirit of the Lord came upon Simeon, who recognized the salvation would come through Jesus. Luke writes in verse 33, And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about Jesus. They were amazed to find out what he said about Jesus. When his parents found him, Jesus was totally preoccupied with his interest in spiritual matters. Do you find children today that are interested in spiritual matters? Especially that, that um, 13 year olds or 12 year olds. He was surprised by the anxiety of the parents and then he asked, why is it that you were looking for me? Can you hear the response of Jesus? Why did you look? Why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? <coughs> and for a 12 and 13 year old boy to sit in the midst of the, of the, the priest and high priest and listen to the word of God, it is amazing to find. But like I said, Jesus was both human and he was divine. Jesus was surprised by the concern of his parents. No doubt his own understanding of his identity was well ahead of the insights of his parents. Clearly, he thought that they ought to know why he was in the temple. That is what Jesus thought. My parents are supposed to know why I am in the temple. He did not through... Obviously, his... He had not thought of this moment as time when Jesus would be involved in doing his father's will. In this moment of tension, he expressed surprise. And I think his parents were more surprised to find out that he would actually tell them that he was about his father's business. <coughs> Jesus was a model child. He was perfect for each stage of his growth and development. To some degree, tension arose between his role as the son of Joseph and Mary and his role as the son of God. Now, in this very human situation, the sonship of Jesus emerges. Jesus was both divine and human. We see how this works in our every, every day's life. As we have seen, Joseph and Mary knew the identity of Christ. But this was still a moment of revelation for them. It was really a moment of revelation for Joseph and Mary when Jesus uttered the word that he was about his father's business. After all, they had taken care of baby Jesus. They had changed his diapers, clothed him, nurtured him, disciplined him and taught him. And do we as parents, we do the same. We, we teach our children, we discipline them, we, we, we change their diapers when they were small, and we nurtured them. Exactly the same um, Mary did what we as mothers do to our kids. And all this, in all these things, his life was normal. As a model boy, he was obedient to his mom and dad. And that is more the reason why the youngsters can also learn out of this lesson today. To be obedient to your mother and father. Given all this, his identity as the son of God might have faded a bit into the background for them. 
Now clearly Jesus talks about God as his father. Jesus, 12 year old, talks about God as his father. And indeed God is, the fa is his father. He had recognized Joseph in his early father, early father, as his earthly father, and would continue to do so. But now his emphasis is on Father God. This brings everything in focus, into focus for his parents, and to some extent advances their understanding of Jesus. Did Jesus fully understand at the age of 12? Did he understand? Do you think Jesus did understand when he was 12 years old? What it meant was that God was his father. God was Jesus' father. We know that Jesus, in verse 52, kept increasing in wisdom and in favor with God and men. Certainly, he came to know more fully in experience or way what sons of men means. And I think we today also, if we start to read the word of God and understand his word, we will also come to the fullness of God, of who he is in our lives and how he lives through us. Sometimes parents have the unique problem of having preoccupied yeah, children. They have a young person in their home who is exceptional. The child is very bright or talented for beyond his age. And do we find some children in our families? Yes. There is some children that is very, very clever. There's some kids that we don't even understand. But God has chosen to give them to us. It's sometimes difficult to understand such children. When Jesus spoke to Joseph and Mary, he did not understand the statement which he had made to them. However, Mary sets a good example for parents. Luke says in verse 51, and Luke 2, 19, and his mother treasured all the things in her heart. The beauty and the words that Jesus had expressed to them when he was in the temple, saying that I am about my father's business. Mary decided to treasure those words in her heart. Why did she decide to treasure that in her heart? She was reflecting on Jesus' words and actions. She memorized them so that she could relive them for now and all eternity. I'm sure she, she remembered that all her life. At that age, Jesus already said that he was about his father's business. And throughout the ministry, Jesus, his sonship would be challenged. This was the most controversial aspect of his life. The controversy over this fact would lead Jesus to the cross. And, and he did die for us. Even today, this is the great point of controversy in the world. Many will accept him as a prophet or a teacher, but not as the Son of God. And then I think it's in, in Sean's testimony that we heard that what this guy said, who he follows, but who do we follow? And who do we treasure in our heart? And who paid the price for us? It can only be one person but Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. He is the Son of God. Jesus is God. Today we must accept Him as the Son of God. The crucial. This is crucial to all, all that we are and do. We must accept Him as the Son of God. I think it's Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 that says, and, and when I think about that, when we went to go and minister to the people in the community, I remembered what was important to say to that people. If thou confess with your mouth, what do they confess? The Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. If thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And, and believe, where? In our hearts that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. If we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. And each and everybody that is sitting here, if you haven't made a mouth confession, I'm not sure where you are. But if you've made a mouth, mouth confession and said to yourself or said to Jesus that you are my Lord. Because we no longer serve a foreign God. We no longer serve any other treasure. We serve Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If we confess Him with our mouth and believe with our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It doesn't say that you might be saved. It says that you shall be saved. Mouth confession is very, very important. We need to speak it and confess it and believe it in our hearts that Christ, as God has raised Jesus from the dead, then you shall be saved. Amen? The fact would become full-blown at the midpoint of the ministry. Jesus gave his disciple an exam in Matthew 13, in Matthew 16, verse 13 to 17. It writes now, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Philippi, he began asking the disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And I'm sure somebody would ask you also a question. Who do you say? is your God. Who would you declare? Who would you confess the Son of the living God? Amen. And they said, <clears throat> some say John the Baptist and others Elijah but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? And if each and everybody would ask us that question, or ourselves this morning saying, who do I say, who do you say he is? Now I've asked myself that question also. And see, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17 says, And Jesus answered and said to him, Jesus is the one that answered Simon and said, Blessed art thou, are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father 
who art in heaven. He is the only one that can reveal such truth to you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We do not hold um, that Christianity is unique because of the pride of the place, our loyalty to our background or for other such reason. I, I think sometimes our fathers and mothers grew up in a church where they never preached the gospel. Where they never told, they were never told, uh, they were never taught about God. They never taught about the love of God. Like for instance, the woman that we ministered to yesterday, myself and Tuleka and, and, and Juanita, um, the moment we, 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 we told her about Jesus and how much Jesus loved her, she started to have tears in her eyes. And you could see the desire for a woman to have somebody to come alongside her just to minister Christ to her. How important it is for us, like Philip said yesterday, it's not just a Saturday morning that we minister to people. It's not just a Saturday that you do outreach to people, but you do it every day of your life. Every day, even the evening, when you, when you, when you see somebody, just to go to that person, that person has been waiting all along for somebody to come and tell them about the love of Jesus. And here we are. When I, when I was singing that chorus this morning, it was really bringing back how we need to appreciate the fact that we are saved. God has saved us by grace through faith. And now we can truly say we are children of God. Like I said to the man that I ministered to yesterday that was sitting in the road, I said to him, I could have easily sat at my home. But God has given us the, His commission to go out to all the people in this world and to tell them and share to them the good news, the gospel. Sharing the gospel, the greatest news on earth, sharing it with people brings liberation to that people. Yeah, many people and even older people struggle to find their identity. If you have found Christ, you will find your true identity. Amen? Amen. God is the Father of all men. But there is a special relationship with those who believe in Christ, like you and me. There's a special relationship for us with you, Christ. Amen? But he has given us the commission to go. It's not just our duty to sit and receive the word of God, but it's our duty to go into all the world and minister the gospel to the people. Amen. We, we are sons of God as believers in Christ. We are sons of God and daughters. We too can be sons of God through Christ. Paul, in Galatians 2, 3 verse 26, write, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? You are all sons of God through faith through Christ Jesus. Christ is unique, the only begotten son. <clears throat> but through him, we become, through Christ, we become sons and daughters of God. We cannot become sons and daughters through ourselves or through anybody but through Christ. Amen? We are brothers of Christ and heirs of Him. Imagine, 
if somebody would call, you have never seen him and somebody called you, you are my brother. It's so awesome to know that we are brothers in Christ. Whatever else we may be, we can live without confidence because we. We can live with confidence because we are children of God. <clears throat> and with that, I just would like to read to you <clears throat> who we and who I am and who you are in Christ. And um, I think it's important for everybody to know. <clears throat> I just need to drink some water. Sorry. It's important for us to know who we are in Christ. And this is what Shane really read at the conference, and I'm not sure if everybody has this. If you have it, you can read it with me. <clears throat> and for those who doesn't have it, I will send it to you. The I am, who I am, who you are, who we are in Christ. <clears throat> I am a precious woman of great value and worth because Jesus, the King of Kings, died and paid a great price for me. I am a, I am a royal daughter and son, for I have, I have a crown of glory and honor on my head. Can you see the crown that you have on your head? Because of Jesus. <clears throat> I am wearing Jesus' royal robes and righteousness. God accepts me and approves of me am fearfully and wonderfully made. Just think about what God says about you and who you are. And now, there is now no condemnation for me in Christ. If you are in Christ, there's no condemnation for you. Therefore, I accept myself and I love who I am and the way I am made. Father, I am who you say I am. Not what anybody in this world say you are. I am who God says I am. I am called by God. I was chosen by God before the foundation of the world to be set apart for Him. I am God's child. I am born of the incorruptible seed of the living Word of God that endures forever. I am forgiven of all my sins. When we have repented, received Jesus as Lord, I have been forgiven for all of my sin. And the blood of Jesus has washed away my guilt and shame. I am a new creation in Christ. Those that have received Jesus Christ as the Lord, as your Lord and Savior, even those that have repented yesterday, I am a new creation in Christ. I am holy and blameless in God's sight, even above reproach, before Him in love. I am the righteousness of God, which means that I am approved, acceptable, and in a right relationship with Him. 
I have full access to the Father because I am in Christ and Christ is in me. I live in His presence fearlessly, confidently and boldly. I am blessed and I am God's favorite. I am the apple of God's eye and my name is inscribed on the palm of His hand. Now imagine if God's hand was that big and all of our names is, is engraved on the palm of His hand, then there must be a lot, lot of names engraved in His hand. I'm stamped with the seal of glory of the Holy Spirit and I am established to the end. I'm being changed into the image and he who began the good work in me will bring it to completion. I am God's workmanship recreated in Christ for good works. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am complete in Him. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. God Himself lives in me. I have the mind of Christ and I am joint heir with Christ. And He has qualified me to share in His inheritance. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. And the promise of the Spirit, the blessing of Abraham is now mine. Redeemed for the fertile way of life inherited from the tradition of my forefathers and I'm purchased with his precious blood. I've been delivered from, from the control and dominion of the devil and I've been translated into God's kingdom. So now when we have received Jesus Christ as Lord, we do not talk about and boast about the devil. We boast about Him. We boast about Christ. Christ in us. I'm set free. I'm dead to sin and alive with Christ. I'm raised up with Christ and I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. I might sit here now, but I'm seated in heavenly places. Because I'm born of God, the evil one cannot touch me. I've been given all the things that pertain to life and godliness. And I'm a partaker of His divine nature. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. I'm firmly rooted, built up and established in my faith. And I have faith that can move mountains. Oh, yes. Amen. Father, I can do what you say I can do. Amen? Amen. I am victorious over a victorious overcomer. A mighty woman man of valor, a champion overcoming warrior who possesses dignity and honor. I am more than a conqueror, all surpassing, all circumstances are under my feet. In all things I gain surpassing victory and in all things God leads me to triumph in Christ. Through my union with God, I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. 
everything I put my hands to prosper. I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. Because I believe in him, lean on, trust and rely on God, I do the things that Jesus did. And greater things will I do, for his spirit within in me knows no limit. Therefore I believe that all things are possible and limit not the Holy Spirit within me. I have the power of the Holy Spirit in me. And so every place I go, in all I do, I do in the power of the Spirit. I have power to lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. Each and every sick shall recover. Amen. And at my command, in the name of Jesus, all demonic powers are cast out and all people are set free. I have the authority over all to cast out all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt me. As Jesus is, so am I in this world and the immeasurable, the unlimited and the surprising power of God is on the inside of me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, lives in me, lives in all of us. Isn't that powerful? It's so powerful to know that we are in Christ. And when we know, when you know who you are in Christ, you will never turn your back on Christ. You will never turn your back on this awesome God. Never, never, ever turn away from Him. But just know who you are in Christ. Many young people and even older people struggle to find their identity. God is the Father of all men, like I said. And there's a special relationship with those who believe in Christ. Amen? There's a special relationship for those that are in, that are in Christ. The presence of Jesus on earth was not an accident. He came to fulfill a very definite plan and a destiny for his life. Throughout the ministry, he did what was in harmony with God. Amen? Amen. Jesus declared that he must be doing what he was doing. He had the inner sense of compulsion born of the Spirit of God. And we too are born of the Spirit of God. There was a sense of destiny about it. In Luke's Gospel, we note the following. We note that Jesus must preach. He must suffer. He must go on his way. He must stay at the home of Zacchaeus. He must be delivered and crucified and rise, rose again. Must suffer all these and enter into his glory. Must fulfill the Old Testament prophecies and the reverence to himself. The destiny of Christ was to become our Savior, our Savior. Inwardly, he had the compelling sense of love and duty to seek us out, to search for us. And didn't he search, did he search for us? Yeah. 
of all my sisters, I am standing here. Of all your brothers and sisters, you are sitting here. Christ has chosen you. He has chosen us. He had us on his mind, like I said, long before the foundation of this earth. Amen. So seeing the concern of his parents, Jesus asked two questions. The second question literally asked, did you know that I had to be in the things of my father? Or, he says, I had to be of my father's business. With regard to the two main translations, there's no big difference in between. In my father's house and about my father's business. It is the father's business that conducted the father's house. So today I will highlight the King James approach which is about my father's business. Jesus was about his father's business. It was Christ's duty to be, to be about his father's um, business. Jesus claimed that he must be about his father's business. What was his father's business when his parents found him? He was sitting, where was he sitting? In the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. What are we doing? We are sitting here today, doing our father's businesses. Amen? Being about our father's business. It was Christ's duty to be about his father's business. Jesus was in the, he was in the temple, a learner, not as a teacher. As young as he was, he was a learner. And we all that are sitting here are not there yet. We all learn. I am learning. All of us are learning. Amen? When the rabbits taught, they asked a lot of questions. Students would ask their own question, and it was very interactive like we do sometimes. We ask what stood out for you. Yes. At the time, the business of the Father for Jesus was to be a learner. The full nature of the Father's business would become clearer later in the ministry. We have previous in Luke 1, 30 to 35, and 2, 26 to 32, Jesus himself made a strong, comprehensive declaration in the synagogue of Nazareth. And he proclaimed, the Spirit of the Lord, Jesus proclaimed, listen, Jesus proclaimed, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And what did we do yesterday? We preached the gospel to the poor, but we do not have to only preach to the poor. We can preach to the rich, to everyone that we see and that we, we see on our way. He has sent me to proclaim the release of the captives Recovery of the sight of the blind and set free those who were oppressed. In conclusion, we have talked about the reaction of Jesus to the concerns of the parents, the sonship of Jesus, the destiny of Jesus, and the duty of Jesus. We have applied each of these points to our own lives, didn't we? When we know we have kids how we have to raise our kids. We have noted that children, no matter how intelligent they are, they need to obey their parents. And parents, on the other hand, should make room, room for the in, in, uniqueness of their children. Second, Jesus alone was the unique, divine human, didn't we? See that? 
son of God, but we have a strong sense of identity as human sons of God. Each and everyone has got a strong sense of identity. Third, like Christ, we can have a strong sense of, of destiny. We know that God has a plan for our lives. Fourth, we must be obedient to God's command of Christ. We must be about our Father's business. And I pray this morning that not just today, even during the week, when we have time in our life groups, that we need to teach our children, bring your children along at a young age already, so that they know to follow and to know God. Amen? It's our duty to bring our children to God, for them to know God. Let's close our eyes. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.